The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? All right, buddy. Thanks very much. I appreciate you recording the intro for me. Um, I can take it from here. We're recording, right? The red light is on. The red Good. light's on. Yeah. All right, sweet, buddy. Um, thanks. Appreciate you stopping by. We're going to have a whole Metallica show now, folks, and uh, Ryan, you could get a cup of coffee, cup of tea, watch the uh, football game if you want. The Dolphins are on, Dolphins Niners. Take a, seems like a nice enough day outside. You can take a walk, maybe the dog. Either way, you're not needed here because this is a Metallica show. So wait, Metallica album comes out and now you're just going to hijack the show? Yes, this is Hardwired to Break the Business. It's the title of this episode because the album is Hardwired to Self-Destruct. I have my Metallica shirt on. You don't. You do have a Metallica shirt on. Looks sharp. Yes, this is, I got this in uh, Quebec City during the Quebec City performances in September of 2015. Were you there? No. I mean, if you wanted to do this, you could have just told me you wanted to do this. Like, I would have been glad to not have to come in and do a re- you know, record anything. I could be watching the Dolphins game right now. But, you know, now I'm already here, so I, you know, we kind of have to do the show as scheduled. Uh, who says? Who says? It's our show. It's our rules. Actually, it's my show. You know, you know, for today. So, you know, seems like the family Thanksgiving was all pretty psyched to have have, hear my show, not your show. I did love one of the revelations from Thanksgiving because I spent it with you. Yeah, you you hung out with us on Thanksgiving. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Happy Turkey Day, by the way. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of good stuff. And, oh, God, this is such good stuffing. I don't know who made the stuffing. It was really good stuffing. Um, And your sister-in-law's sweet potatoes which according to your niece had like, I think, sugar, powdered sugar, brown sugar, pure cane sugar, molasses, sweet and low, stevia, Splenda, um, a little bit of cocaine. Just just a pinch, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was it was sweet, It was, but it was good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I, um, I definitely, yeah, there was no diet that day, buddy. Um, so this definitely feels like a music business podcast yeah. so far. But, but anyway, I was going to say, the revelation was, oh, right. unless your family is listening to this show... They don't know what's going on with you in your life. How so? They didn't know you were at the book fair last week. Well, I did talk about it on the podcast, so those are the only people that would know, right? Exactly. But like, even your sister was like, wait, Ryan's at the book fair? Unless they're listening to the show, they don't know who, anything about you anymore. Look, man, it's a big family. We got a lot of stuff going on. And I have brothers and sisters with kids. And when you have kids and all the things are going on with your kids, it tends to dominate the family conversation. You know, Ryan just stays in his little corner with his wife and his dog and his book fair. And it's all good. Is it all good? Youngest one? Hmm? Little Run, baby that no one cares about? Run to the litter, yeah. Yeah. Brought yourself up. Changed your own diapers. Yeah. <laughs> How old did you think my parents were when they had me? No, this was last week. You're 30 years old, changing your own diapers. Oh, wow. Even better. You were 31 years old. That book fair was just a disaster, by the way. Oh, it was? Like, I'm probably... That's right. We haven't been on the air. You and I haven't been on since two weeks. Yeah. That did happen in In the the last two weeks, yeah. Yeah, I was in New York City. You were at the book fair. Oh, uh, quick aside, uh, our thanks to Evan and Elisa for keeping the show warm for a week. I kind of like the idea of bringing in guest hosts for weeks that neither of us can be there because I hate having a dark week for the show. We can do mobile studio. Yeah, just, just, you know. Remote. 
Do you have the equipment for that? No, but I, I'm pretty sure the show entity can write that off. <laughs> With our unlimited bank account. Well, yeah. I mean, I did like the fact that they were musicians, so they could actually bring in the musician perspective. Like, neither of us are musicians. We come in with other knowledge bases. I think it was cool to have a different voice. What are you anyway, talking about? Our voices make music. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, and this is not the best thing to do Like when you're at a book fair, because then you because you don't want to hate on the book fair, but the book fair sucked. <laughs> I sold five books... And I actually had this conversation at the book fair. You ready? Okay. It was like, okay. this kid comes up to me and, you know, I, I have a long conversation. Like, first of all, I had so many op- things where it was like, somebody would come up to me, ask a bunch of advice for me about the music business. Like, oh, I'm a musician. You have any questions? You know, and then they ask me a bunch of questions and I answer them. And then when it comes, you know, time for that awkward moment of be saying, hey, so this book, uh, you're going to buy it, and they go, uh, you know, they run away. So You gave the advice away for free. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they got everything they wanted from me. You gave them their free consultation. And they didn't need the book anymore. And now they're off finding some other attorney. So anyway, they come. this one kid comes up to me. You know, he does the same bit, asks me a bunch of questions. I answer them, which I'm happy to do. Like, I want to help artists out. That's why I got into this. And then he does, and then he's like, and then, you know, awkwardly, so this book, you want to buy it. And he says, uh, how much? And I say, Fifteen dollars, and he goes, "Oh, I, I, I can't afford that." And I was what? like, "What?" He's like, he said, so he told me, he's like, I can't, like, first of all, the book is like, I think the book's like nineteen ninety nine on Amazon. Yeah, isn't it twenty? You're yeah. already knocking off five. Yeah, like you know, I'm like, this is the book fair discount. Yeah, and and but you know, he talks to me, gives me this sob story, like, oh, he's just a student, and there were a lot of students at the book fair, and I know students don't have a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, it takes place in a freaking college. That's fair, all right? And so he's you know, he's giving me his I'm a student's sob story, and I'm like, you know, and and look, I'm not trying to make a profit directly from the book anyway, so the money doesn't really matter to me, but I don't just want to give it away. So I finally like, all right, how about how about how about ten bucks, kid? Ten bucks. Mm-hmm. And he goes, um, and he's like, sure. Hmm. And then he says, you got changed for a twenty. What a little prick! Right. Oh. But he was sheepish about it too, because he looked into his wallet, realized all he had was a twenty, and said, "Oh God, now I'm gonna have to awkwardly ask this guy." You should have just turned away the sale on principle. If I was there, I would have like shoved the, the book table up his ass I was sideways. So mad, and you know I shouldn't be because I mean they're you know musicians. I want to help musicians. That's why I'm in this. But and I love all musicians in this world. Except for that guy. Oh, that you, guy sucks. Did you get his name? No. Damn. What do you think? I'm gonna put him on blast on the podcast. Yeah, we torpedo his career. Well, I hope he. I hope he enjoys his book. You don't cross break the business. I mean, that was weak. That was so weak. He's gonna wake up with a freaking his Gibson neck underneath his pillow, decapitated <laughs> from the body. Um, but that yeah, man. Yeah, no, that was that's lame. That was weak. That was weak. And but did you take the? Did you of course, the I ch- took his damn uh, money. God. Ryan, come on. Because then I would have only sold four books that day. You probably felt dirty afterwards. I, I, the whole thing the whole thing was dirty. Did you like, take a crying game was, shower? Exactly. Well, because the whole thing, like, as I was in writer's row, and it was like a, a stack of us, like all of us writers in a row. Nobody, nobody in the writer's row sold more than five books. Oh, so day. they didn't, like, put Michael Shabon right next to right, you no, it with a line, and he's, like, <laughs> selling all of them. He's like, hey, this is really great traffic. And he's like, oh, God damn yeah. it, Shabon. It's like, you know, Neil Gaiman's on one side, Michael Crichton's on the other side. They're both yeah. crushing it. No, nobody sold any damn books that day at, at writer's row. So, <laughs> like, it, like was, it wasn't like I was getting particularly screwed, but, like, we all, like, felt like crap by the time the day was over. I left early. I did. My, book, my booth was empty for the last three hours. I was so disillusioned. Wow. Yeah. That w- I, I had no idea it went so um, <laughs> drowningly for you. Well. <laughs> Instead of swimmingly. I mean, I was pretty shocked by how many people came to the book fair and, like, didn't have any money. 
I, are they there just there for the author events? I guess. Because like I, I, I went to the speeches or whatever. I went to the book fair two years ago. Yeah. And I bought books. I know. Like I kind of think you come with a mind to buy books. And I mean, and, and look, like I'm not, as I said before, like I'm not trying to make a ton of money off this book. Maybe lay off that segment, like that angle. You well, know. no, because I don't want people to think like I'm just money grubbing and greedy. Like this, the, the point of this book is to give some information out there to the artist. But at the same time, like don't, don't New Jack City me. Because that's what this, <laughs> like that scene from New Jack City where Actually, the guy's like, one. you know, let me get one rib. Because he's like, you know, he's trying to like, and then at the end he's like, you got change for a hundred. Like that's what this was. Um, never mind that the kid wasn't old enough to know what New Jack City was. But By either the way, way. He, you know, he thought I've got a ten in this wallet. He did. No, he 10. totally did. He totally did. Yeah. And then when he looked in and he saw the twenty, he's like, "Oh crap, this is awkward." Because then he has two choices. He has to be like, "Well, I could just bail." Yeah. Or I got to go through with this. Like the honorable thing to do would have just been to bail. Say, oh, never mind. I don't even have 10 bucks in my wallet. Which, by the way, I might have even given him the book for free if he had said that. Because, like, I didn't want him to walk away empty handed. But no, he had the disrespect for me to just look at me and go. The audacity. Yeah, the audacity just to go, you know what? We already agreed on $10. You're going to give me change for a 20. These kids, man. Probably because, yeah, he was probably like, what, 18 or 19 or something? Yeah, no, he's like some punk. Because he's at Miami Dade. Do you remember what he looks like? No. All right. Well, we hope, sir, you do not win a Grammy. <laughs> or if you do, at least provide the appropriate restitution and pay Ryan the extra five dollars. That's right. He's gonna like. He's gonna like send it in a PO box to me now. Anyway. Yeah. So that was cool. That was, that was see you. Oh, were and ha- you. Oh, also, you were in New York. Yeah. So while you were having that experience, I was having an amazing time in New York City. <laughs> well, uh, uh, give us some of the hits. How was that? Oh, dude, it was great. It was actually. Oh. I, I feel ashamed to say only my second trip ever to New York City. My first since July of 2001. Whoa. Been a long time. Whoa. Wait, 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 wait. You, the last time you were in New York City was pre-9-11? Was two months before 9-11. Wow. Yes. That is an extended period of time to not be in New York. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, gr- uh, really, really great trip I had with my dad. Um, basically, it was a, as a 60th birthday present for him. It was uh, nice and everything. Oh God! What we saw, we went to, we did a Broadway show. Oh hello! Oh God, it was so good. It's supposed to be. You know, yeah. Um, you, you know the Kroll show, right? I guess. So you know that the, the sketch, you know, too much tuna. Yes, I've seen. Okay, it on yeah, YouTube, with yeah. Uh, with George St. Geeglin and Gil Faison, charmed I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it was an amazing show, and like as they said during the show, this show is uh, the audience here is either comedy nerds, theater dorks. Or parents who were brought by their kids who have made a severe miscalculation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was a lot of great stuff. And of course, you know, there's a whole controversy with, you know, Hamilton and uh, Mike Pence. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they said, you know, hey, govern all Americans. And that's, you know, a very controversial statement, right? Because, you know, that's very controversial. You know, the gov- people in the government shouldn't govern everyone, apparently. Um, <laughs> oh, hello. They had a message too, Ryan. Really? They said to, to, to Vice President elect Mike Pence. How dare you not come to our show? Oh, hello at the Lyceum Theater. <laughs> so they got they got their thing in too. Oh, um, okay, so they got their dig on Pence yeah. there. But uh, great. St- oh, got, oh well, yeah. Went to Madison Square Garden, saw Panthers and Rangers. Panthers won in a shootout. Go Cats! Yeah. Um, turned out very fortuitous. The area where we were kind of had a back to it in like the club level, so there was no one behind me because I think. Uh, we walking out. I saw two people in Panthers jerseys. Otherwise, I wore my Panthers jersey. I was going to represent. Even though I was thinking like, oh crap, I'm in Madison Square Garden in my visiting team jersey. This is the first time I ever heard do, did this. And uh, that was the most New Yorkerness I saw all trip was uh, the people yelling at the Rangers. 
for being bums. Oh, wow. Even though they're in first place in the division right now, they're still to get pretty pissed off. But New off. Yorkers can't help themselves. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm staying in my lane here. Just uh, not going to be annoying or that sort of visiting fan guy that uh, gets in any fights or anything like that. The Florida Panthers don't strike me as a fan base that travels well. So like, if you got into a fight, I, I can't imagine there were a bunch of people in red jerseys that had your back. No, yeah, right there in Madison Square Garden <laughs> right. on, uh, like, uh, was it 34th and 8th? Yeah, not not a South Floridian hub. Not Panther country. Yeah, it's not like if I go to Amelie Arena in Tampa, you know, I've got a better shot. Although those the, the those uh, Tampanians, they really uh, love their uh, their hockey up there. Is that the phrase for Tampa people? Or tampons. <laughs> Just walked right <laughs> into that. It's good to have you back, pal. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, you know what's also really good? I highly, rec- I highly recommend to everyone the Tenement Museum. I say go. Learn about the immigrant experience in this the country. Tenement Museum. Tenement Museum. Really, really good stuff. Really powerful experience. I like it. That's got to be the first on everybody's list. It kind of makes me want to get into immigration law, actually. I yeah. think I'm actually going to pursue that because of that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there will certainly be plenty of people who will be in the need of services of that nature going forward. And so we need more good attorneys like you uh, in that uh, particular area, for yeah. sure. Unless they go to Canada, but uh, well, we'll discuss some stuff later on. Apparently, sure. Apparently, Mr. Trudeau. Anyway, it's, um, it's, been, it's been a crazy week for geopolitics. Anyway, yeah. oh, but we got a show to do. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is the longest I think intro we've ever had. Well, but you know, we've been off for a week, and people probably want to know what we're up to. So, yeah, uh, yeah, rate, yeah. review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. Where can they follow you, my New Yorker friend? At Metal Dave 85. All right. Uh, email the podcast, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Send us show questions if there are topics you want us to talk about, whether music related or pop culture related. Um, that's the place to go for that. Or so, just life. That yeah. digital tour bus st- campaign, that's still going on. Go to digitaltourbus.com. You can get and win a free copy of my book, Break the Business, and Ariel Hyatt's book, Crowd Start. Great oh, book about crowdfunding. Wow. Nice. Uh, you know, the nice thing with the digital tour bus is you really don't have to stop as much for gas. I don't have the drum, so... I hate you. Wait, maybe? Yep. All right, take that back. I thought I didn't have the drum. So last time we were on, someone torpedoed the soundboard of the phone call. That's right. And now you just didn't even have it up. Hey, I'm not the worst sound guy in the business for nothing. (laughs) Um, And we also have... Okay, and I I was on the uh, video podcast, Bridge the Atlantic... Um, Bridge the Atlantic. All yeah, right, that's actually a cool show. Those guys are those guys. Is that do a someone great that's job. based in England? That's a, a one. Well, it's actually Bridge the Atlantic. So one of the guys is in Canada. One of the guys is in England, and they do a video. I would really wish you wish you would have said Maine. It's, it's it's Marcio Novelli and Ross Barber Smith. All right, so they're each in the country, and then they and they do a video podcast where it's like their two heads, uh-huh. and then my head pops up, and we all talk to each other. Oh, so you guys are like talking heads? That's right. Psycho killer. Psycho killer. Uh, Anymore, we have to pay for it. Um, <laughs> so, but that's so that's coming up. I think next month or something like oh, that. Sweet, so something to reach out for. All right. So that's all you know housekeeping stuff. Let's talk about a little bit of entertainment law news. Oh, oh, and then coming up in the next segment. Yes, I'm excited for this. I'm glad to have him back on the show. Ari Herstand will be joining Ooh, us. All right, repeat guest. Yes, love this guy. He was on pretty much almost a year ago today. Really? He was on the show. Yeah, November of last year. Oh, wow. Uh, this guy, I mean, he's a great, great, great musician, but most of you know him for just being sort of the guru when it comes to indie artist information. He's got this blog, Ari's Take, that's immensely popular. He writes for Digital Music News, and now, finally, you know, he's been talking about this for months. You know, He, he told me about it a year ago, and it's finally coming out. He's got a book coming out called 
uh, how to make it in the new music. Oh, sorry. Let me get the exact how to make it in the new music business. Practical tips on building a loyal following and making a living as a musician. Uh, it's coming out next month in paperback, audiobook, mm. and ebook. So huh. that's fascinating, Ryan. You kind of tripped over that title. Sorry. You know, you know, I, I, I can I, seem I, to recall. I, I didn't have the menu up, but thanks for, you know. I seem to recall you getting mad at me a year ago for not remembering the title of your book. Which was, you know, had words in it more than usual. Well, to be fair, the first three words of the book are the name of this podcast. And they are Broach <laughs> the Bitters. <laughs> Broach the Bitters. Nailed it, buddy. Yes. Um, so he's coming on in the next segment. Every time uh, I talk to him, he always teaches me something new. And it it's going to be a great interview. So that's coming up in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. Cool. Ari Hurston. Love yes. the guy. But first, some legal news. Oh, of course. Why did you touch me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused a revolution. You betrayed the law. Thank you, Mr. Asante. Yes. So yeah. I had a couple things that I wanted to talk about in the uh -huh. world of indie music, but you actually were champing at the bit because you have a you have a you have a music story. I know you have a music story. I, I can't believe this. I usually don't provide content that any of you can find relevant or usable, but uh, but <laughs> not, but this week is all different. What do you got? Yeah, for us? I got a big account you can wire money to. Joking. Um, no, no, no. So Ryan, the band A Day to Remember, actually a Florida band, right? Yeah. Um. They won a major legal victory against their label, Victory Records. And uh, ironic choice of label name. Yeah, ex Victory lost. Victory <laughs> are losers. Le the hers. So I, I was reading about this before the show. They, this, this dispute lasted five years. Yeah, going it, back since 2011, where uh, Victory sued over a breach of contract, saying that uh, Data Remember didn't fulfill their five album deal. And the band was saying, yeah, we did. Uh, we uh, we count, you know, you should count also the live albums and, and a re-release. A oh. jury, an Illinois jury, sided with the band, saying, yep, those count towards the five-album uh, count. And um, the band guys, got some royalties, right? They got $4 million part of the settlement. Oh. Or, I'm sorry, part of the uh, the verdict, not the settlement. Um, and uh, they are free. They are free. Wow. So that's, free of the tyranny of record labels. That's interesting because, yeah, normally the way record deals are structured, it's a number of albums that the artist has to deliver to the label. Mm -hmm. And what any record contract worth its salt is going to have in there is a stipulation that makes it clear that live albums, re-releases, uh, greatest hits albums... Mm -hmm almost always don't count as part of the delivery requirement right. because right they don't they don't just want an artist to deliver one album and then deliver four cover you know four you know reimaginings of their album or this is the same album but we digitally remastered it or oh this is yeah. us performing it live and you know they don't want that to count and so they they'll usually say no it has to be studio albums of completely original content at mm -hmm. least 12 tracks and i guess I mean, having not read their contract, it sounds like Victory Records didn't put that in there, and it created some litigation. Yeah, it seems like it, because I, I think otherwise it would have been, in the, in the story, it would have been bigger news if a portion of the contract was invalidated that said, oh, live albums don't count, re-releases don't count. Because then obviously that would seem to then apply mm -hmm. to other contracts, you know, depending on sort of the jurisdiction they're in, but that doesn't seem to be in there. So I guess, obviously, these guys sort of screwed the pooch by not putting those clauses in. Well, maybe it was sort of a maybe it was sort of a cocktail napkin contract. You know, a lot of uh. these, 
a lot of these labels with their bands are just like, look, man, we don't need to get make this all complicated, man. Don't get the lawyers involved. Look, we'll just we'll just put this all on a sheet of paper. You give us five albums and, and the deal's over. Done. Yeah, like Rob Lowe giving the contracts to Wayne and Garth. Yes, it's exactly like that. Yeah, and they're just like, uh-huh. I see. I like what you did here. I don't oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly, but I think, what this was. That's, that's probably, yeah, but, you know, yeah, short contract probably. And, you know, sometimes short contracts can make things problematic because you're missing a lot of terms that, you know, can really help explain things. But, man, there, I mean, there's a lesson in all this for indie artists. Like, when a contract goes wrong, which it so often does with labels, mm-hmm. and you want to go to a court to vindicate your rights, you might win, but... I'm not sure if what we can call that this band went through ultimately a victory. They were sucked into this for five years yeah. and yeah, they got 4 million, but I wonder how much of that has now gone to paying their lawyers. Yeah. And also who knows where I, I don't know. Cause actually I really don't, I'm not familiar with the band personally. I don't know where they've been creatively in these last five years. I mean, if it's like most deals, like the band probably wasn't able to make any music during the pendency of this litigation because they're still under a contract. Yeah. And so that really sucks. Yeah. But we hope we we hope they celebrate their freedom by staying free and not having Stockholm Syndrome and crawling to the arms of another uh, heinous company. Man, that would stink. And that happens so often. Like this happened with uh, with JoJo recently. Um, not, not, not Jojo of Casey and Jojo, not like all my life. I pray for someone like you, but the, Mm -hmm. she was like a, you know, she was a female soloist. Uh You know, she had a couple hits like when we were in high school or maybe early college. Is that the name of the song or the time period she had the hits? Jojo? Yeah. Like when we were in high school, college or high school, is that the name of the song? No, no, no. I couldn't tell by the placement of like the comma. My apologies. Yes. That's no, she had that song. Get out, get out right now the end of you and me anymore we have to pay for it i still don't know what it is well because it's not your you know it's not your style of music man but anyway she, you know she got she was stuck in this nasty nasty deal and she finally got out of it and the first thing she did was jump into a new label and you're just like what oh anyway. and they're probably like don't worry baby we'll treat you better than yeah. that guy then in a few years later hey yeah meet the old boss same or yeah. meet the new wait, was it meet the new boss same as the old boss there we go that's the oh move. very nice well, well done yeah. all right so that's so anyway uh you know we wish that band well of course all right a couple lighter pieces here and then mm-hmm. we'll get to ari hurston uh I read this from Bobby Ausinski's Music 3.0 blog, a nice piece of social media tip here. According to a recent Nielsen study, okay, uh, one of the best platforms that musicians can use for promoting themselves, and most of us think Facebook, most of us think Twitter, but what mm-hmm. this study said is that the, the dark horse, the platform that more musicians should be using, uh, is Instagram. Oh, you know, okay. Despite the fact that you wouldn't necessarily think of that as music. Um, because it's, you know, pictures. Yeah. But the study shows that uh, Instagram users are particularly well-suited to be fans of your music. So uh, Instagram users, they love music, and they're also the kind of music fans that actually spend money on music. Okay. Uh, Instagram users spend 42% more on music, an average of $269 a year, and listen 30% more to music than the general population. They also go to concerts more often. Instagram is the number one app for sharing posts during a live music event and is used 83% more for sharing with concert goers, artists, and fans than any other platforms. So hmm. something about Instagram users. I wonder users, why that is. Um, that's a very, I mean, maybe just Instagram users are, are pop culturally clued in a little bit more. Um, you know, Face, you know, people tend to use Facebook, you know, not just for, you know, music discovery, maybe not as what Facebook is. Facebook's more yeah. like, I want to check up with my old friends from school from back in the day, or I want to read some news articles. But 
Instagram perhaps is a little more in with like being in touch with pop culture. But anyway, if you That's, want, yeah, you it know. seems more makes more sense. Facebook is more for socializing, yeah, and Instagram maybe is more for actually seeing what's out there yeah, away from maybe your circle of people connecting yourself with things that are relevant. But anyway, the yeah. Instagram users, they're spending money on music. They're listening to music. They're going to concerts. And when they're at those concerts, they're interacting. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, so, okay. you know, many, a couple artists out there who've been maybe thinking Instagram maybe isn't for me. Eh, give it a second. Look, um, here's another one, another cute story. You know, we had that, you know, we just did that heartbreaking lawsuit story. So let's get some fluffy stuff in there, you know, kind of put us in a good mood. Um, any artists who are looking to do some Christmas covers this holiday season? Uh-huh. Um, CD Baby's DIY Musician blog is helping you out. Love these guys, of course. Chris Robley, Kevin Bruner, they're the best. Mm -hmm. They have created a free PDF which lists which Christmas songs are in the public domain ah, nice. and which ones you need a license to perform. You can go to DIY Musician blog and check it out. Um, in case you're probably wondering, while God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen and Deck the Halls are very much in the public domain, other standards like Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Holly Jolly Christmas require a license. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah. Well, is that because those, uh, is that all goes back to what the time frame was? It, is it 1939? Is that the one? Um, basically, the general rule is if it was made before 1922, mm -hmm. it, right, it's almost assuredly in the public domain. And if it's made after 1922, it is most likely not in the public domain, but it might be if, you know, for example, they didn't renew their copyrights or something mm. like that. But, you know, this, you know, we got this handy dandy PDF, uh, the DIY musician blog that's going to help you out. And now let's say you're a music artist. All right. And you want to do some Christmas covers, but it's not in the public domain. Right. What can you do? Well, there, uh, it depends on how you want to release the music. So if you're talking about making a CD of your favorite Christmas covers or, you know, making or, you know, just, you know, just putting them on a streaming platform like Pandora mm -hmm. or Spotify, you're going to need a mechanical license. Um, you can get those at the Harry Fox Agency. Uh, they're the ones that administer mechanical license for the vast, vast, vast majority of musical composition copyrights. Um, and they have a, something on their platform called Songfile, which is, you know, what you can use for like low quantity music distribution. You got to pay a small license for every copy you sell or... Uh, or sorry, for if it's a physical CD, it's for every copy you make. If it's a download, it's for every copy you sell. And it's something like, I think, 9.1 cents mm -hmm. for every copy you sell. If it's streaming, it's a little more complicated. But again, Harry Fox Agency can help you out there. Um, if you want to make a YouTube video... Um, you know, now you have to go to a platform called We Are the Hits. We've talked about this platform. I was just going to say, I think. Do you th do you think they have Christmas tunes on there? I the uh, ones as part of like all the uh, the licensing ones. If I were to hazard a guess, I would hazard. imagine there are some, if not all, the major Christmas standards are going to be on We Are the Hits. So that's where you would go for that. Um, and so yeah, it's all going to depend on yeah. how you're going to distribute it. Any Hanukkah standards? Um, I'm sure of it. Why not? I mean, I don't know if the DIY musician PDF has got you covered when it comes to Hanukkah standards, but I'm sure that they're, you know, the same kind of rules would apply. Fair. <laughs> Very good. Um, but yes, so if it's a physical distribution or streaming or digital download, talk to the Harry Fox Agency. If it's a YouTube cover you want to make, you want to talk to We Are The Hits. And uh, you can get into the holiday spirit. Who doesn't love a Christmas standard? Uh, to you know, give to your fans out there, or Hanukkah standard, yeah, yeah. Or you, what you could do is take one of the Michael Bublé Christmases, 
and uh, just put your picture on top of Michael Buble, like put your face on his and sell that. That sounds spectacularly infringing. Okay, you're saying no. I'm I'm gonna go ahead. categorically no. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Would not advise that. Okay, good. Just making sure that you hear that Ryan is saying no on my <laughs> idea. Ari Hurston coming up next. Thanks very much for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. He is an L.A.-based singer-songwriter, actor, music consultant, and author. He is the creator of the popular DIY musician advice blog, Ari's Take, and his articles have been featured in DIY Musician Blog, TuneCore, and HypeBot. His latest work is the book, How to Make It in the New Music Business, Practical Tips on Building a Loyal Following and Making a Living as a Musician, which is currently available for pre-order and will be available in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook on December 20th. You can find out more about the book and his music by visiting AriHerstand.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Ari Herstand is on the Break the Business podcast. Ari, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to have you on the show again. Uh, Ari, you've been pretty busy since you were last on the show, which I believe was about a year ago. I think it was November of last year, to be exact. Yeah. Uh, back then, you told me that this book was uh, still in its early stages, and you had a ways to go with it. And now here we are today. The book is coming out next month. It's now available for pre-order. Mm-hmm. How crazy has the last year been for you? Are you just exhausted? <laughs> um, you know, I... I don't think I have been bored a single moment in my life, um, probably since Friends was last on the air. So uh, it's just it's just par for the course for me, I guess. I, I tend to stay busy no matter what I'm doing. But yeah, this is just a different kind of busy uh, these days, I guess, with the book. Um, I've been I'm actually in studio right now working on a uh, new funk band. Uh, so I've been writing. We just tracked the first uh, song of that. And yeah. And so just kind of, just you know, doing the, the typical uh, artist grind, I guess. You blog so much and, you know, you do so much on the writing end of things that people almost lose sight of the fact that you are a full-time performing touring musician. How do you find the time for both? How do you kind of keep yourself organized? Yeah, that's a good question. It's, it's, uh, to be completely honest, it's very tough. Um, you know, I never anticipated, uh, kind of being at the stage where I'm at right now, where I have a book coming out, uh, and that I write so often, uh, I mean, on Ari's take, but on digital music news so much and everything else. Uh, I mean, had you told me four years ago that I would have a book coming out, I would have called you crazy. I, I would say, no, I'm going to be touring the world, but Um, the thing is, is just like, you know, the reason that I, um, I guess the reason that I've kept writing over the years, uh, is just because so many musicians have told me how much it's, it's really helped 
helping them and, and has helped them uh, in their career and how much Ari's take has really helped guide them and, and help bring them to the next level. And, and I mean, honestly, the, the reason why I wrote the book is kind of the same reason why I started Ari's take was because I was, um, I was getting so many questions from uh, musicians on just kind of basic things that I was doing or knew how to do. And I kind of became this go-to, like the go-to music biz guy uh, in the scene. And everyone with music business questions, um, other musicians would come to me and word got around. And I kind of started getting a, a bunch of questions and I would try to respond to everybody, but I just didn't have time to do that. So I, um, my, my brother is a, a web developer and, and my best friend is a graphic design artist. And we basically just got up Ari's take so I could just kind of put up all the most common questions that I was getting and just kind of answer all the questions that I was getting and to put them up there and be like, all right, now go answer this. And honestly, I just thought that Ari's take, those initial articles that I put up uh, would just kind of be there and uh, I could just point people there and I would kind of continue on with my normal music career. Um, but I, uh, it, it didn't, it didn't stop the questions. I ended up getting more questions and more people coming to me with, with, uh, things that, you know, that they were wondering about. And so then I just kind of kept writing more and more articles and tips, things, and then other publications asked me to write for them. And that it just kind of snowballed. And I guess, uh, because Ari's take, I mean, really, um, turned into kind of like a go-to resource for independent musicians. Um, I felt that I, you know, I kind of had to continue it because it was helping so many people. And, and it was really like, I, it, it, I passionately feel that I, I want to help, uh, hardworking driven musicians, um, almost as much as I want, you know, to work my own independent music career. Um, but it, it really, you know, I, I, I take a, I guess a lot of, um, I, I really enjoy and, and I take a lot of joy in, in, in helping other musicians. So that's, I guess, why I continued and, and, and kind of why I'm, I'm at this place where I'm at now. Where you have absolutely no free time. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But yes, I have absolutely no free time. <laughs> well, it's, um, and listeners, if, you, if you're a DIY musician and you haven't uh, made Ari's Take just daily reading for yourself, you really have to. Ari's Take, it's it's the best blog out there for getting DIY music advice, uh, solid work. And and you've really become the in, the go-to for DIY musician advice for a lot of the listeners out there. But um, if you would indulge me, I'd like to take, I'd like to go into the Wayback Machine here and go sure. back to your more humble beginnings. Eight years ago, you were working at Starbucks. And at the time, yes. you made the decision to quit that job and focus on music full-time. Suffice it to say, it's kind of worked out for you. Um, now, I think there are a lot of listeners out there who are in that same situation now. Maybe they're making music while balancing another job, and they're contemplating when is the right time to take that plunge and focus exclusively on music. So for you, how did you know the time was right for you to go into music full-time? And what advice can you give to others who are kind of in that same situation? Totally. I mean, um, you know, you definitely want a plan uh, if you're going to quit your day job and and you jump into music full time. Like I, I didn't just get frustrated one day with my boss and, and go in and throw my green apron at him and say, all right, I'm done. Uh, I, I had actually just booked um, a showcase at this um, at um, it's the college music conference. It's called NACA. And um, I had just been informed by my college booking agent that I had at the time that I was going to showcase at this very large uh, college 
conference, I guess, college entertainment conference. And from that, I expected to book some shows from it, but I nothing was guaranteed. Um, and I was also just about to, to hop into the studio to record uh, a new record. And I really just, I didn't have time um, to kind of be working at Starbucks as much as I was. And, and to be honest, I mean, I had kind of been building up to that because um, for probably five, six months prior to me quitting, um, I was making, uh, I would say probably the majority of my, um, I was covering pretty much all of my living expenses with my music income, even though I was also still working at Starbucks. So it was kind of, I'd, I'd worked up to that point where when I quit Starbucks, um, I had an income through my music already that uh, was able that I could that I could you know survive on. It, it definitely did not uh, leave much room for luxuries, but I could survive on it. And I was looking towards the future. I was betting on that I would book some shows from this showcase, and that would help out my coming year. And then I had this record that I was going in studio, and I had um, actually I hadn't I hadn't booked that yet. But but things just started to happen, and honestly, like you know. It, I don't think anyone is ever going to be super certain that it's all going to work out for the best. You just, there is some, um, there, there's definitely, um, you know, some just, just self belief in your, just self belief, I guess that you need to have, um, and to take that leap. And it's, it's a risk that, um, you're going to need to take when you quit your day job that, uh, you may not know where your next paycheck's going to come from, or you really may not know if you're going to be able to pay rent in four months from now, but you just have to believe in yourself enough that you'll figure it out. And, and that was the thing for me, like, you know, I've had months, um, where, yeah, I was worried where, if I was going to be able to cover rent, uh, since I quit Starbucks and, um, over the years and in, as an independent musician, you know, that's just something that you kind of have to prepare yourself for is just to know that your income is going to be way up and way down. Like I would be lying if I told you that it's just been a straight and upward straight diagonal line for me with my income, uh, over the last eight years, that's a total lie. Like it's been way up and way down, uh, some months, I'll make more in one month than I will in the five months following that month. It's mm. crazy, but that's just what happens. That's just the reality. And so that's, I think, what every – that's the, kind of the scariest thing for musicians. And uh, the reason that – I would say the number one reason, reason that bands end up breaking up is, is financial reasons. Just because you can't, you can't survive. You can't figure out how to make it work. Um, or the fear that uh, you won't be making enough money to make it work. And, and so, you know, for me, I, I think um, I never let fear paralyze me because uh, that's counterproductive. I mean, you need to, I just, you know, you need to just keep, keep going. And uh, I mean, you can't just rely on belief and faith. Uh, you actually, you have to make it happen. And so, um, I mean, a perfect example, like, so that, that year when I, uh, showcased at the college conference, um, I, the showcase went really well. I, I booked 50 high pay, high paying college shows on the spot at this conference, which was, which was a, a record for that, uh, for, for that organization, uh, for NACA. Um, and so my next year was set and I just like, 
kind of coasted with that year, just just touring uh, touring colleges the entire year, and it was amazing. I got paid really well, and the shows were awesome. And then I was just expecting the same thing to happen the following year, and it didn't. I I booked only a fraction of of um, the number of shows the following year, and I'm like, ah, shit. Well, now I have to figure out <laughs> what I'm gonna do because I was depending on this college money that I was kind of uh, accustomed to at that point, and I mean. You know, I was basically like living a life of of indie luxury. I mean, definitely not like the rock star life, but for like an indie musician working DIY at rich. Yeah, I was totally DIY rich, which was <laughs> is not rich at all. <laughs> but but it was like you know I could order room service in the hotel room, room that they put me up in and like not feel guilty about it or something and not have to put it on the credit card. Like that's DIY rich. <laughs> so like no, but it was amazing. But then the following year, I didn't book any of those shows, and. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And so then I just had to figure it out. And that's basically what my career has been since then is, is kind of figuring it out and, and navigating it. And, and what's been nice is though, I'm, I'm actually looking back is I'm kind of glad that I didn't, um, book as many college shows the, the next year because it challenged me to figure out, uh, alternative ways to, uh, pursue this independent music career. Had I just kept booking um, you know, college tour after college tour, I probably would still just be spinning my wheels in the college music scene and, and my career and life would be very different at this point. And, and I know that I wouldn't be, um, satisfied with that. So I'm, you know, it, it was good. It was a good challenge. And that's just kind of what it's been like, I guess. Well, on behalf of all of the musicians who have benefited considerably from the lessons you have learned <laughs> from that, uh, I can't tell you how happy we all are that you went through that terrible death spiral for a couple years. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. no, yeah. I, I, I kid, of course, I'm right, right. Uh, but turn, uh, turning the focus to the book again, that's how sure. to make it in the new music business, practical tips on building a loyal following and making a living as a musician. The first sentence of your book summary really got me. Uh, it says, forget everything you think you know about the odds of making it in the music industry. Today, odds mean nothing and success is not about lucky breaks. Um, I thought that was intriguing because even in my own book, I, I am quick to say like, you know, it's tough out there. Uh, and you know, you gotta have, you gotta have luck. You gotta go out and find the luck. And I like your message cause it's inspiring and it's, you know, it, it, it makes clear that artists can be in control of their own destiny. So why is that the case? Do musicians in this new music industry have more control over their destiny than they used to? Uh, the quick answer is absolutely yes. Um, you know, you, you never, you don't have to be reliant on anyone else to have a very successful music career in the new music business. That's um, just just plainly, you know, upfront. That is the reality right now. Whereas before, you, there were a lot of uh, people you needed to get permission from to have a music career. Um, you know, the the record label being one of the biggest parties that you needed permission from to have a successful music career. Whereas now you don't need a label and you don't need permission from many people. That being said, you know, um, the first chapter of my book is really what does making it mean? Because that's defined differently by everyone. And so, you know, I get asked all the time, uh, by people, 
um, especially like by my Lyft drivers or by my my uh, plane seatmate, uh, my seatmate on the plane. You know, like well, when I when they ask me, you know, when we get to start talking, and I tell them I wrote a book on the music industry, how to make it in the new music business. Like, oh, well, I've never heard of you. How can you write a book called How to Make It if you haven't made it? And I'm like, that's going to be an awkward three hour flight. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. But I'm like, you know, no, it's a totally fair question because they're not in music. They don't really understand. And the thing is, is that, you know, uh, to to the average person, the only uh, indication of what making it means in music is superstardom. So unless you're Justin Bieber or or Taylor Swift or Beyonce, uh, in their eyes, you haven't made it. So but the thing is, is is. You know, it's curious because music is really one of the only careers that in existence uh, where making it is defined by whether everyone on the planet has heard of you or not and defined by superstardom. I mean, you know, just because, uh, you know, a a very successful plumber um, who's making six figures a year uh, just because the person in the next town hasn't heard of that plumber doesn't mean that that plumber hasn't made it. They're living a very successful life doing what they want to be doing. Why, why is music defined any differently? So that's, that's the, that's the thing is that, you know, making it, um, has to be defined by you, like you, not you, Ryan, you, the, no, uh, I'm the only one who gets to decide. I like that. <laughs> um, I will let so, you know if you've made it artist. Call him up. Here's his number and ask him if you've made it or not. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is like, yeah, like musicians, everyone needs to define what making it is themselves because it's different for every single musician. And I mean, to me, you know, what making it is to me is living the kind of lifestyle that you want to live doing what you love. And that's it. Um, you know, and so, but even that is defined differently by everyone because some people want to live a high roller lifestyle. Fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people want to live, um, uh, you know, a very conservative lifestyle and that's fine too. Like there, there's nothing wrong and, and there's no right or wrong with what, uh, how you define success or how you define what making it is. That being said, once you do define it, that's what you can work towards. And, you know, more and more, like everyone, yeah, sure, like I said, people outside the music industry don't really understand music whatsoever. And they think making it is just defined by superstardom. But honestly, more and more musicians that I talk to, they similarly, their definition of what making it is, is just ha- having a full time music career and living a comfortable life do, uh, doing music. And that's really what my book is about, is teaching you how to do that. Like, I, this book is definitely not how to become a superstar book. Like, this has nothing to do with superstardom. Um, this has nothing to do with becoming famous. This has everything to do with how to become a full-time musician and how to sustain a very uh, a comfortable music career and lifestyle uh, doing music. And so there's just a lot of things that in the new music business um, – that uh, the, I guess tools that have come out in the last five to 10 years that musicians need to be taken advantage of to really aid in those efforts in um, sustaining a music career, which, and these tools, you know, they're so new that most people don't actually know about them or if they do know about them, they don't know how to utilize them effectively to, uh, to actually gain from them uh, financially, but also, um, you know, use them to, to help build their careers and build their fan base and, um, and really help them succeed. Well, give us a tool that's unknown or at least underutilized by indie artists right now. 
Sure. And, and, um, uh, okay. I'll give you, uh, one, one really interesting thing. That's, that's pretty cool. And, and, um, with a, with a quick clarifier in advance, cause this is very important. Um, similarly how making it is, um, very personal and can't be defined by anyone else, but you, um, th- everyone's music career path today is going to look different. Whereas 15 years ago, it was very cookie cutter. There was basically like three ways to make it, um, and but it all kind of funneled through the label. And it was like, okay, you make it by signing to a record label, uh, selling lots of records, and going on tour. And that's basically it. And maybe you get some syncs here and there, um, you know, on movies or what. But but that that was basically it. And now there's like a hundred different ways that you can pursue a music career. Um, and those all need to be explored. And so that being said, um, just because one tool works for one artist doesn't mean it's going to work for the other artist. So, uh, one tool, which is, which is actually really cool and really interesting that I discovered this year, which I was able to fit it in the book last minute, um, is, uh, is the live streaming platform called you now. And, uh, it's live streaming and it's different from Facebook live or Periscope. Um, it's, it's a self-contained, um, live streaming platform. There's millions upon millions of users. If you haven't heard of you now, it's probably because you are over the age of 24, uh, because yeah, 75% of the users on you now are under the age of 24. Um, but a lot of the broadcasters, a lot of the musicians on you now are over 24. And I, I actually um, interviewed and chatted um, with this guy named Brent Morgan, who I believe he is 29, 28, 30, something like that. Uh, and he's making over $10,000 a month, a month on you now, just broadcasting, just basically live streaming um, from his bedroom, uh, just playing songs, live streaming a few hours a day. And so... And the thing is, is you now, where it's very, very different from Facebook Live or Periscope um, or LiveMe or any, any of the other live streaming platforms, is that there's, there's in-app um, uh, monetization opportunities, meaning there's in-app tipping, but there's also in-app currency. You can um, – it, it's a whole – ecosystem and it is like a whole environment that is just like you know if you if you sign onto it you're not going to be able to understand it with a, at a first glance there are layers upon layers it's almost like a game and they've basically gamified the live streaming um, system and through this like Brent and and um, a, a few other artists that I that I spoke to that were uh, actually earning very very well on the platform uh, have cracked this and have discovered how to make it work so you know you now is one but but really I guess that it falls under the umbrella of live streaming and live streaming has really just started to break out in this last year um, even though it's kind of existed more or less in the last three, four, five years. I mean, Stage It and Concert Window came out like, what, five, six years ago. Um, but this is that times 10 on steroids. And um, so so live streaming is something that is really starting to catch on. And we're at such the beginning stage that I look at live streaming right now and specifically you now, but also some of these other ones that are starting to pop up. Um, I look at live streaming where YouTube was in 2007. 
So the artists who feel comfortable in that realm, and again, it's not for everyone. I want to make that, like, I can't make that clear enough that just because it works for one artist doesn't mean it's going to work for another artist. And you have to do what makes sense for you and what inspires you. So anyone who tells you, oh, you have to do the YouTube thing, oh, you have to live stream, or no, you have to be doing this, they don't know what they're talking about. Because the thing is, is there are no have-tos in the new music business. Um, because it, it's different for every artist. And I've seen artists, um, extremely talented artists, uh, totally fail and flop on YouTube and trying to do the, like the YouTuber thing and it just doesn't work for them. But they work the blog angle and they explode. They explode on SoundCloud. They explode on Spotify. They get millions upon millions of, of Spotify plays and they can't crack YouTube to save their life. And the thing is, it's same with you now. Like I've seen artists that kill it live and they can bring hundreds of people in any city they go to live and they, they try to pop on live streaming and do the you not thing and it just doesn't work for them. So the thing is, is there, there is no absolutes on what you have to be doing in the new music business, which is scary, but it's also liberating because if, if something doesn't make sense for you, if you're not a YouTube personality, then don't do YouTube. If YouTube doesn't inspire you, then you don't need to do the YouTuber thing. Not to say that you shouldn't be releasing videos. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like video, um, there, there's a very specific uh, way that you operate as a YouTuber, which is very different from just putting up videos on YouTube. And that, that's, a, that's an, a very important distinction. Um, and so similarly, like with you now, so you now I found like very impressive and very cool. And if that's the kind of artist that you are and you feel like you can translate really well, um, on live streaming platforms, then by all means, you should go straight for that because I think that we are right at the cusp of this and it hasn't, it hasn't hit mainstream yet. Um, it hasn't hit its tipping point, but live streaming is about to hit its tipping point and you're going to start to see stars come out of these live streaming platforms. Just like you saw stars come out of YouTube, you saw stars come out of Vine, like Shawn Mendes, you know, he was a Viner. Um, uh, us, the duo, they were, they were, uh, they popped from Vine. And, um, so it, it, every platform is going to have their stars that are kind of come from that. And I think like live streaming, it's really exciting where we're at right now. It is for sure. Um, I, we, I had a couple guest hosts on my podcast last week and they were actually talking about, uh, using Twitch, um, to make music and that's the platform sure. they use and, yep. and it's worked out really well for them. It's really exciting to see what's coming out of live streaming and how effectively artists have been able to monetize uh, from it. Um, God, Ari, you have so much information. This is so super insightful. Uh, next time I have you on and I'm not going to wait a year uh, for it to be, we're going to cool. have you on for much longer. I'm going to, I'm going to do two segments with you because there's just so much information we can get from you. And the, the 25 minute uh, interview block just does not do you justice. The book is how to make it in the new music business, practical tips on building a loyal following and making a living as a musician. Again, it's available now. Uh, for pre-order, uh, audiobook, hardcover, and ebook, and you can get your hands on it December twentieth. But I think there's a way they can get it earlier, right, Ari? Yeah, so we're running a pre-order on Pledge Music right now, and the reason we we chose Pledge Music is just because, uh, well, one, musicians are pretty familiar with Pledge Music; they feel comfortable there. And I personally, I just love uh, what Pledge Music has done to the album campaign and kind of turn the album campaign and release strategy on its head 
and I, um, I'm a big fan of Benji Rogers, um, the CEO of Pledge Music. And, and so we're running the book pre-order on Pledge Music. So you can um, actually, if you just go to my website, ariherstand.com, uh, there's a link right to it. And you can just click uh, over there and you can... Uh, you can pre-order it on Pledge Music. There's a bunch of extra exclusives you can check out, like one-on-one -on -one consultations with managers. I got a bunch of uh, my manager friends from L.A. out here, like a lot who work at Red Light Management and other places who have agreed to uh, sit down for a one-on-one -on -one consultation if you want it. Um, if you pre-order there, there's there's a bunch of other kind of pre-order packages you can check out. Um, and then you also get it sooner than you'd get it if you ordered it on Amazon or Barnes Noble. So that's a way that you can get it uh, actually much quicker um, anywhere else. And it's actually a little bit cheaper if you get on Pledge Music than if you get on Amazon. So check it out there. Beautiful. Ari, before we let you go, one last question. We ask it of every artist. Do you have any final tips that you want to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Uh, yeah, I guess I would just reiterate, don't let anyone define success for you. That needs to be defined by you and only you. Love it. Uh, Ari, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Uh, don't be a stranger. We want to have you on again very soon. Cool. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Ari Herstand for joining us in the previous segment. Love this guy. Check out his new book coming out next month, How to Make It in the New Music Business, Practical Tips on Building a Loyal Following and Making a Living as a Musician. You can also find out more about his work by visiting ariestake.com, his blog, and ariherstand.com, which is his site as a musician. Yep. We look forward to having me on uh, next November. Yes. Well, we're going to make this an annual November tradition, a, yeah. our visit from Ari Herstand. He's so great. He's so knowledgeable. Kind of makes us look bad because he's really good at what he does, and we're just, you know, we're fair, fair to middling. <laughs> Although he doesn't have a podcast. <laughs> oh, that's true. And you know what else he doesn't have right now? What is he? Metallica have? Talk. Oh, you've been holding it in. You've been waiting. You know what? Just this segment is just yours. Go, Metallica. I'm going to go get a beer. This, you know, but it saddens me, Ryan, that you can't participate, that you are not someone I could bounce off any ideas or discussion topics because you do you know anything about Metallica? Um Nate, okay, how about this? Okay. Can you name for me their albums? Okay, I can, I can name a couple, yeah. From in chronological order, hopefully. No, I can't name them in chronological order. I can give you a few in scattered order. All right, fine, go. Uh, and Justice for All. Hey. Uh, one. No. No? Is that that's a song? It's a song off And Justice for All. Oh, <laughs> that's not a good start. Um, Saint Anger. Boy, you're probably mad that I went right to that. And those are like the. That's fine. I, I enjoyed that album. Uh, cunning stunts, or is that like a documentary they did? Well, that was a live uh, sort of DVD performance. Are we counting? That, that? was also real, that was that was actually a cool show. So that's really not an album. And they got this one out now, like uh, you know, ready to explode or something like that. Are you serious? You actually can't remember. Hardwired to self destruct. Oh, I just wanted go. to poke you a little bit. Is that it? Um, give me a damn minute. That's um, three. Reload did. Reload. What's your pick? Oh, um, reload. 
Yes. Yes! <laughs> okay, so obviously that means you know another one. Load? Yes. Real? Wow, that's creative, guys. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. This is not the day to make fun of Metallica. This is your day. By the way, I want to let you know that Evan... You know, Evan Lamb. Yeah, he, that, he was. Uh, he hosted the show last week. He with wanted. His wife. He, yeah. he, he wanted me to say on there that he thinks Lars Lars Ulrich is the greatest drummer ever. That's. There's no way he said that. Yeah, he totally said it. There's that can't possibly be true, dude. He said Lars is the greatest drummer ever, bro. I'm pretty sure if you asked guys in Metallica, they you know, it's kind of like what you know from a Hard Day's Night where they hey, asked man, whatever if, he said is it. Ringo the best drummer in the world, and uh, I think it was Paul who said Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lars doesn't have that problem, so screw you. Anyway, uh, so do you got any more? Any more Metallica albums? Yeah, I mean, there's some major ones I'm surprised you haven't mentioned. Um, I mean... How about the one that came out in 2008? None of those came out in 2008? No. I mean, I feel like I got all the Metallica albums. There's been like, what, four or five, right? You know, I, I'm sorry. Fuck you again. I can't poke you today. I just can't resist. I'm so sorry. No, I I, I feel bad. I'm sorry, but I can't think of any You missed Kill Them All, their first one. You missed Ride the Lightning, the second one. Master of Puppets, Hello... You freaking little troglodyte, you. <laughs> and just for all you got, the Black Album, hello. I feel bad. I feel like I'm the worst person for you to share this with today. The, the, the Black Album, hello? You remember that little one? The Black Album. That still sells like major copies today? Do you not know what that is? The Black... It just went diamond recently, didn't it? I, I don't like you. I think or, it did. Or was it like double diamond? I just... I don't like you. I don't. You know, I, I don't. I, I feel bad because you you legit want to celebrate this because you love Metallica and you love I do, this album. I do. Anyway, and I'm not, I, I feel right. like I'm not the right. best person uh, for you to share enough, this you, with. You failed miserably. <laughs> I, I, God, no. This, 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 this was a pass-fail thing, and you failed. This is not shades of any sort of grading system. This is Ivy League Law School here. Pass-fail, you failed. <laughs> Because um, Ivy League law schools do love their pass-fail systems. Yeah, hardwired to self-destruct. Ryan, uh, how many copies did you buy? copies yes i bought the deluxe set um with the vinyl i my computer's been acting up on me so i can't actually like really connect my phone anymore to my computer so i had to then i bought the uh itunes album yeah i still need to now buy the cd version sure so i mean i'm only being responsible for three which you know you're not gonna I, buy it in vinyl well no the deluxe box that had the vinyl oh i could have actually enough. bought separate vinyls though for the different colored versions of it but i thought i i thought the deluxe set guys you, my, my, my buddy's now listening to this. Didn't the Deluxe have all, like, the red... It has, like, the red, the blue, and the green, right? I mean... Are you are you just having a show with three of your friends right now while the rest of the listeners just... It's what, not three, you douche. I don't know. How many... How many, you, how many listeners am I bringing to this show with my army? I mean, probably, like, less than ten. Um, <laughs> you know, anyway, yeah, I'm, like, I want to be responsible for, like, three units being sold. Dude, okay... It's being slated that, um, and again, because I'm not sure, you know, by the time the numbers have come out, Billboard releases their numbers, what, Sunday, like, evening, usually, for the previous uh, two weeks or something? I think it's like a Thursday, maybe. Or something. Every week, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're basically set to go n number one in 57 countries. Wow. Uh, top three in 75 countries and top five in 105 countries. They're going to be number one here in the U.S. That's fantastic. I don't believe you when you say that. I can't win with you. 
I make fun of Metallica, you get angry with me. No, I because I show support for Metallica, you get angry with because, me. What do I? What can I do? No, no, no. But here's the thing. I already see the preliminary Ryan of the glazing. Normally, <laughs> I see the glazing when I talk about something, and then you just don't even listen anymore. I now know your preliminary stages of that. You're already in it. If I just talk for 30 seconds more, you will just not be listening. What happened? I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm glad that kid didn't buy the book at full price. No, I, I respect Metallica, and here's why. Why do you respect Metallica? They are an indie band. They are an indie band. I need everyone out there to support these little indie <laughs> startup Metallica. They and folks, this is not a joke. They own their masters. They they renegotiated their contract with the uh, Warner Music Group back in the um, in the nineties, and um, they're done. They're free. Yeah. They were freed in like two thousand twelve, I think two thousand thirteen. Um, I think it was twelve. I can actually I can well, pull, pull pull up a day's Metallica phone well, and um, what they are is while, while you're while you're that. pulling that up, what they are is an example of what many superstar artists are doing these days, that, where they have the leverage in these record deals to basically, you know, create, promote, distribute their music on their own, and if they need label services, they can contract with distributors and labels to provide those services, but on a more of like a contract basis, like. We own everything. We're going to pay you a small royalty to do these services for us, but it's still our yep. show. Yeah, and actually, it was basically four years ago right now. It was November 30th, 2012, that they took full ownership of all their master, all their master recordings, including all music and long-form videos, you know? And they said almost like, this is unprecedented, really, for musicians. They, so they then they re-release everything under blackened recordings. Everything now is, it, it's all them. They own everything. It's great. They're the model. Be like Metallica. I mean, it helps if you're also just like awesome and write the best music known to man, according to me. Um, I gotta convert you at some point. What did you think of their Jimmy Fallon classroom instruments of Enter Sandman? That I came thought it was cute. It was fun. Everyone, not maybe not everyone, most people who uh, at Thanksgiving who know me and know my and listen to the show and know I love Metallica, they're always kind of like, "Hey, so did you see uh, Metallica, yeah, Metallica Jimmy Fallon classroom instruments?" Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 it was cool. Then I I confirmed that also a lot of my other friends also got hit with that all over uh, Thanksgiving tables across the country. Um, That's my cell phone again. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is two shows in a row. I'm so sorry. Who? <laughs> Who? Name names. You know what's funny? What? It's the same person as last time. Oh, that son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, Metallica. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, yeah, Metallica. Ryan. Damn it. This guy messes me up Metallica, again. Metallica, come on. You know what? Okay, so here's actually... You know what? I... I'll, I'll give you a little bit more of my view here. I did something interesting. I asked my friends if they had, if they'd like to say anything on our show. Yeah. And um, I actually got back some replies. It's very, some people are kind of a little shy. You know, they don't want to be on the show, which is fine. I understand. Um, but uh, I've got, uh, I got two, uh, I got two recordings here from uh, loyal Metallica family members. And um, basically just telling you guys, I said, Hey man, share with the audience what you guys think. And hmm. uh, here yeah. we go. Hello, my name is Paula Minkiki. I am Brazilian. I like Metallica since 93, uh, the Black Album era. And Metallica, well, if you ask any, anybody who knows me a little bit, 
uh, tell me one thing about about Paula, they will say, oh, Metallica. <laughs> so Metallica is really important to me. It's more than a passion. I, I every time that I can get vacations, I, I go after them whenever they are playing. Uh, I've been to 38 gigs. Uh, next year I will do more, and I hope that I, I can increase that number fast. <laughs> Uh, and well, what I think about the new album, I think Metallica once again surprised us with really good stuff. Uh, they had so many creative ideas on this album and the way they released it, uh, the marketing around it, to have those uh, videos um, on each country uh, on the same date was incredible. So I really love it. Thank you. So that was a cool video release that they did. Yeah. Oh, actually, if people you're not aware, so what they did, so the album came out on Friday, right, November eighteenth. A few days, like the day before, I, mean, I think it was a few days before. What they actually did on their website, they, in I think some other websites too, they released a, a a music video, a unique music video, not just like a performance or just like recording, like an actual music video with a concept and direction for every single song and release it for streaming. That is cool. So basically, you got to listen to the songs beforehand, and hey, you also got to listen to it for free if you want to. And like I said, every single video, 12 songs. Actually, it's 13 with The Lords of Summer. So 12 original album tracks, and the 13, that was basically off an EP. Just on the website, also available on other websites for everyone. Here, go. Enjoy before the album comes out. It's a great promotional vehicle. It's a great content release strategy, and it's something that you can do and have more control over if you are an independent artist and you don't need to get a label's permission to put out these videos at a certain time, uh, Metallica decided rightfully that having a video for each song, much like Beyonce has done, much like Weird Al Yankovic did on his last album, would be a good promotional vehicle. And so they did it. And it's cool. I think one of my favorite videos, well, Lords of Summer is a good one because it has a lot of uh, concert footage from festivals. And actually, I, I almost was in the Lords of Summer video because of the guy next to me in Minneapolis was in the video. And I'm like, I'm to the left of that asshole. Oh, it was concert footage. Concert footage. a lot of concert footage because the whole the, the song is about basically them on the road and us going to summer festivals and summer shows and everything and just, you know, being a part of this, you know, amazing group. And this and they had footage from Minneapolis and some of my Aww. friends were there. And like I said, the guy that was right next to me, I'm like, I know I'm right next to that dude. Damn it, that camera didn't pan out. That's a good one. Murder One is a really good video because also it's a great little educational tool on uh, Lemmy. Ryan, do you know who Lemmy is? Yes. Who was Lemmy, Ryan? A uh, guy from Motorhead who died. That's right. Lemmy Kilmeister. Yes. He uh, was the bassist. Motor- Motorhead started in 1975, dude. Wow. Like, before even New Wave of British Heavy Metal was even a thought, before even, like, the Sex Pistols and the Ramones, even before, like, the punk movement, that's when, that's when Motorhead started. And Lemmy, just, you know, this independent guy, this visionary, just going and doing his old thing. Man, like he said, man, born to lose, live to win. That's a great song. That's a great video. I'd suggest that one too. Don't you glaze? Don't I'm you not glaze. glazing. I'm, I'm not start, glazing. I'm I start would not you, glaze over start, Lemmy. You're gonna start calling you freaking Krispy Kreme because you're just a glazed donut. <laughs> I could go for some Krispy Kreme donuts right now. We should have craft services on this show. It's been over a year. I'm gonna lodge a complaint with the uh, the podcast bursar here. Um, uh, <laughs> All right, what, 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 what else do I have on my thing? Oh, wait, that's right. Okay, that was uh, one recording. Let's get to the next one. Oh, here we go. Yes. Hey, I'm Austin. Um, I love the new album. Uh, I think it's it's great. You know, it's powerful. It's very dynamic. Um, you know, I like that there is a return to their roots, but they're not harking on 
the past too much. You know, they're kind of taking the best from each era and have made something new with it. Um, you know, I do feel like it's a nice um, evolution <laughs> for them. Uh, I can't wait to hear more of these songs live. Um, you know, Metallica as a band means a lot to me. Um, but, you know, not just for the music itself, but for the community that <clears throat> has built around it. Um, you know, the Metallica family, and it's given me the opportunity to see the world and, and travel and meet some amazing people and uh, have a sense of freedom um, on top of all of that. So, yeah, Hard Ride to Self-Destruct, this, uh, this tour is, is going to be awesome. All right, that's great. So, so I want to thank uh, Austin and Paola for sending me that. Yeah, kudos Ryan, to these listeners for like they, they keep it down to a lean sixty seconds. I like that. I well, I, I definitely I my instruction was give me forty five to sixty seconds. I wanted to make sure that was manageable. Next thing though, I need to make sure I have this idea next time, not on the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, so that people aren't preoccupied. That's my bad. Well, no, but, we, but that, that was still good content. And yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that he underscored, which I think is cool, and something that Metallica does well. And uh, look, you're already getting excited because I'm about to compliment Metallica again. And this yes. is a legit compliment. This isn't me being sarcastic. Uh, Metallica builds has built a tribe. Like it's not just you aren't just people who like their music. You they they have created a community, a lifestyle, you know, a a brand that when you go to Thanksgiving, everybody knows you as the Metallica guy yes. at the party, mm -hmm. and so they know they can talk to you about Metallica stuff. I mean, that's the kind of fandom that all artists should aspire to create, even if it's just in a small community. If you can get a hundred people or a thousand people to have that level of devotion towards you, you can build a music career off of that because people who are that devoted are willing to spend a hundred dollars, five hundred thousand, five hundred dollars, or even a thousand dollars a year or more on your music. And that's something you can build a career off of. So there is a lot that you can learn from Metallica in terms of uh, creating not just people, you know, fans that like your content but just love everything about you and have that tribe-like devotion. Now that you mention it, I'm almost wondering if I did an itemized receipt for myself. How much do I spend a year on Metallica? I'm, I'm guessing it's a lot, especially because you travel to shows. Exactly, because so we, would, count we would count airfare and hotels. Yeah. Although that doesn't make it into their pocket, but it, it doesn't shows... make it into their pocket, but it's what I'm expending to get to them, yeah. which definitely counts. Yeah, which certainly counts for you. Because at first when you said like a thousand, I'm like, no, and then I'm like, oh. <laughs> but no, no not, not, not recently, but maybe this one where like, I, I want to get to four shows. I want to see four shows at least so I can get to 10 shows. And like Paula said, she already had like, she's on 38 and there's people who are way more. This I know, I know folks that are in the hundreds, you know, I feel like just a freaking amateur right next to them with my six, but you know, Shh. we're going to get there. Weak. Oh, please you. <laughs> I, although it's funny, you've came up. You know, when when they're down here, yeah. I think even your mom said, "Hey, we'll, I'll buy the tickets. Like you and me will go." And and I said, "Like okay, well, I guess you know, as long as it's probably not in the GA." She's like, "What? No, come on!" I'm like, well, oh, but Susan, she wants to mosh. You're kind of you're kind of frail right now. I don't think it really worked for you to be at the gate. You you're, know, you're gonna take my 66 year old mother to a, po a mosh pit at a Metallica show. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. Also, she said she'd pick up the tickets, so... And so that's that's already a win for you. You're like, I'll, wherever you want to go. Ryan, good news, bad news. Amazing show, dude. <laughs> Unfortunately, your mom was kind of trampled. My condolences, but uh, hey, man, want to see some pics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny, because, yeah, she got trampled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's a good way to go. Um, 
<laughs> Metallica show. Woo, Metallica. Yeah, yeah. So I say, Ryan, go pick that up. I think everyone should go pick it up. And um, you said, you know, it's sort of, and I agree. Basically, this is all about community and family for us. We're, um, we're very committed, as well we should be. Because uh-huh. insane. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and interesting, actually, recently, uh, Kirk, uh, sort of promotion for all this stuff, he had an interesting art, uh, he was part of, uh, gave an interview to Metal Hammer, and basically talked about, you know what I hate about this website? All the freaking pop-ups. I swear to God, now the thing is gone. It's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. And it's gone. And I can't, it's not even like, it's, it's one of these very insidious ones that you can't even back out of. You have to X out the window and get back to the original thing. Oh, that sucks. So that sucks. But what I was going to say... <laughs> Because <laughs> I know the gist of it. Yeah. Was that Kirk was saying how metal helped him survive his teenage years and that this sort of music is for outsiders, is for people who think differently, is for, you know, just a, a different class of person that we need this music. And if you take it away from us, we're going to get kind of pissed off. And now I haven't met the person yet that's tried to take away my metal music. And I pity that poor fool that goes down that road. Um, kind of like Charles Xavier. Like I pity the poor soul that goes to the school looking for trouble. Remember X Men? Sure, yeah. I just brought it back to Patrick Stewart for you really quickly, and you didn't even give me anything. There. Is this You're like so the crazy. first X Men movie? Because I haven't seen this in years. Yes, crispy. Oh, crispy cream. I want to. That's your new name, crispy cream. Every time you call me that, I just want donuts more. I. Me too. Um. Anyway, I. I uh, God, I. I, I freaking hate this phone sometimes with the pop-ups. <laughs> this it's derailed me. Anyway, but no, but that's they, they built a passionate community. They have and, and it sustained them. We're still waiting on the tour announcement, which that's kind of getting a little uh, antsy. It's been a week. Why haven't you given me the tour announcement, Ryan? Oh, wait, just, why is it Ryan? Just give me the tour yeah. announcement, buddy. Give me the tour announcement, Ryan. So they haven't announced their tour yet, Ryan. I'm going to reach over there. And nah, I don't. I don't control those things. No, they have not announced. Okay, they've announced other dates in Asia, Europe, Central and South America. It's not North America where we were kind of told that was going to be the priority, but I, hey, I guess I don't. <laughs> I'm not well, in charge of anything. Um, uh, I could see you just like saying, "Ah, screw it," and you like get tickets to Kuala Lumpur to you know go watch their show. That's a little too much right now, but you know, we'll nice uh, safe domestic uh, states maybe drive up into a few cities in Florida and less money. All right, we'll yeah, do yeah. that. Maybe uh, crash on some couches in South in uh, North Carolina because you got to crash on yeah, couches. gotta crash on couches. <laughs> um, oh. Canada, Dave. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll say um, I was just so super excited. I listened to this album on the way up to New York. Yeah. Uh, I just put it on, and uh, I had tears in my eyes as I was just listening to it, just because I was so happy that it was finally here. It's been it was since two thousand eight was Death Magnetic. Uh, I've gone through some changes in my life and since the last Metallic album came out, so this album really means means a lot to me. Um, I, I don't know. I think all the reviews are good. Some people are having some issues with um, whatever it is. I don't know. I never really listen to album reviews, especially for Metallica. It, it's my band, man. They're well, all good. I mean, for the fans, it doesn't make a difference. Exactly. You know, they make a piece of art that reflects the time and place that they're in when they make it. I totally get that. That's cool. You know, and that's what that is to me. It's art. Um, and sub- obviously, and but it is subjective. So obviously, I understand other people have other opinions. I mean, if you think it sucks, then I don't care about your opinion. That's true. Because you suck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. Uh, So it's just really good. I can't wait to get on the road, hopefully sooner rather than later. And uh, I think we'll still be doing the show because I feel like now 
Before last year, I thought, well, there's going to be an end date to this show. Now it feels like, oh, no, we're just going to be in this purgatory forever. Yeah, pretty much. So um, we'll do some pretty cool road diaries. Um, One last thing I want to go just on a personal note. Fidel Castro is dead. We are in Miami. Yes. Um, This is a big story here. I am half Cuban. My mother came to this country. My My mother's family, the whole family, came to this country in March of 1961. Uh, my great-grandfather was imprisoned. He had his business taken away from him uh, simply because it was his business. He owned a very popular uh, and successful restaurant in a national hotel called Willie's Bar. Uh, Willie's Bar and Restaurant, very well-known. Um, my grandfather, as he told my sister and I, very sh- most assuredly would have been uh, jailed and probably murdered um, if they didn't leave when they did because my grandfather was a very sort of uh, well-known, well-liked, charismatic guy. And uh, he was not on board with the communists and the Marxist revolution. Uh, so he would have been troubled to probably keep around. So my family had their uh, homes and lives taken away from them. Now, the weird thing is, without that, I don't, I'm not here. So, you know, technically, <laughs> it is a funny thing. Without Fidel Castro, I don't exist. But still, um, he was a brutal dictator and a murderer and a thief and destroyed countless lives. Um... I was very happy to hear these news. I only wish my grandparents were alive to um, see this day. Unfortunately, they passed away in 2007 and 2008. Um, Justin Trudeau, who gave a very nice, heartfelt, and uh, sort of attaboy, sort of, rest easy, my son, lay your weary head down. Dear friend of our family. Yeah, you know. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, Trudeau can just, well, all right. Oh, I've already sworn now, but like I say, whenever I swear, I'm, I'm, I'm aware we do have children listening to this show. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as just uh, one uh, sort of uh, Cuban-American here, I can say, normally you don't say, okay, it's a model and just sort of celebrated death. I look at it as this bad man is gone. There's now more hope for the island and its people on the island. Hopefully... Um, Relations will get better with the countries. I want there to be more open relations because the people on the island deserve uh, some <laughs> deserve freedom. Um, but uh, I was down on Bird Road at La Carreta um, yesterday, got a Cuban sandwich and, cro- and croquettes and café con leche. And man, oh man, those are the best tasting croquettes I've ever had in my life. I was on there with the street waving the Cuban flag, giving people the peace sign and everything. It was a hell of a lot of fun. I was there in representing my family and... Um, I don't know. I kind of just had to say it because this is a big deal for us down here and just uh, personal to me and uh, my family. I've been shedding a lot of tears. And um, yeah, I guess if you think somehow Castro is a good guy or whatever, I don't know what to say to you, man. The guy destroyed families. Just don't don't, don't bring that shit around to me. It's well said. And I think... Outside of Miami, or there, there are too many voices outside of Miami who don't understand what he was and often use we'll use the adjectives like complicated Mm -hmm. you know multifaceted and he wasn't multifaceted and he wasn't complicated he was brutal he was a dictator he's a dictator that's the word it's a dictator and you know we we can't this is not the time for the you know on one hand on the other hand like some people are just bad yeah and you know Maybe maybe just from growing up in Miami, like we get to hear these things firsthand, and you actually did hear these things firsthand from people who lived it, mm-hmm. um, and 
people outside of the Miami bubble don't get it. And so we need more voices like yours inside of Miami to kind of let people know what this is. My grandfather's my grandfather's younger sister or was it older sister. One of my grandfather's sister was um, asked out by Fidel back when she was like a teenager. Really? Yeah, she said no. Well, there you go. <laughs> so it's quite possible this is all her fault. Just like, you know, when Hitler... I know, it's, art it's, Hitler, it's Hitler's art school rejection is yeah. what you're telling. Yeah. Oh, That's God. real, by the way. That's real. <laughs> he, he told us that uh, she got asked out. <laughs> way, way, before the, uh, way before he was in the mountains leaving revolutionaries, but who knows, maybe the pain of that rejection was such that it sent him off the deep edge. Who knows? Way to close with the joke. Yep. All right. <laughs> Our thanks to Ari Hurston. Uh, my heartfelt thanks to you, Dave. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much to Austin and Paola. Appreciate that, guys. Oh, yeah. Our special thanks to uh, also uh, James, uh, Lars, Kirk, and Rob. My thanks to Evan once again for reaffirming his love and belief of Lars. There's no way he said that. Oh, he totally said that, bro. <laughs> uh, to the one listener, stop calling Sunday afternoons, please. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> We're sh- doing the show. It's the same time every single week. Let us do the damn show. Ryan, let's go. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.